Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Right, I am getting on my soapbox. Everybody keeps moaning about this Four Pillars main event going, oh, it's not working. Look at the ratings. Look at the ratings. I don't care about the ratings. I don't care about television. And what you should care about is the fact that we are taking four brand new stars, four people that are essentially homegrown in AEW, and we are trying to turn them into main event players. I'm sorry, but that is the point of professional wrestling. Everybody needs to shut the hell up. Where the hell is the soap? Anyway, hello, my friends. Just ignore that. Welcome to Ups and Downs. My name is Simon Miller, and you know the deal. When you do tune into the show, we take the finger of power, which is this, the finger that is attached to my hand, and we give the good bits it up, and the bad bits are down. And if you want a little bit of a spoiler, in case you haven't seen this week's Dynamite... Flood me sideways, it was pretty damn good. I mean, the very first match we had was Claudio Castagnoli versus Phoenix, which was essentially man that is exceptionally good at high flying versus man who serves as a very good base for people that want to high fly. I mean, this was basically magnificent. We also had a double jeopardy rule, which meant if Claudio beat Phoenix, he would be allowed to challenge for the Ring of Honor tag team titles, I assume with Wheeler Utah. But if Phoenix won, he would get a shot of the ROH world title. So I sat there like, ha, 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 this is great. Otherwise, though, yeah, horse noises. Phoenix essentially flew all over the place. Castagnoli was like Superman. And at one point, the masked man even like walked on Barry Barricade and hit a Hurricane Rana. Now, this was kind of confusing for me because I was like, well, he is essentially walking on Barry's face, but at least he isn't abusing it. Which is when Phoenix did a dive, Claudio caught him and threw him into Barry Barricade. So for goodness sake, there's my justice for Barry counter. It's up to 15. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, 15 doesn't seem that bad. We've only been doing it two weeks. It's out of control. We also saw Brian Danielson and Wheels watching this from backstage, which did make sense because this is their buddy in the ring. <laughs> When Phoenix went for something, some kind of hurricane rana, and Claudio Castagnoli just took his head off with a lariat. And there's no two ways about it. He must have thought there was gold in them brains, and he was going after it. Phoenix soon hit a double spring moonsault, which was absolutely ridiculous when Claudio was like, oh yeah, and he hit one of his uppercuts, Sagat Tiger uppercuts. When he went for the Ricola bomb, Phoenix was like, nope. And he hit a code red instead. When I got two as well, he just smacked Castagnoli right in the face with his boot. This was so, so good. Clearly, Claudio likes his face, though, so he then smashed Phoenix right in the face. He was able to hit his bomb of power, and he got the one, two, three. But nobody lost here. Everybody won, including the crowd, who was so damn loud throughout the evening. And that makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. Now, Claudio and somebody from the Blackpool Combat Club can go face the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions... I am giving it an up. And then I lost my mind. Because we were backstage with Rennie Paquette, who was welcoming us to the evening, when who walked into the shot? None other than Miro. 
Oh my gosh. The noises that came out of my mouth were absolutely silly and he just ignored Rennie and he went straight into Tony Khan's office. I was like, yes, he's back. Because if you have watched this show before, you know I have a weird obsession with Miro. It was the same when he was Rusev, but I'm happy to admit it. In fact, I like him so much. This was like an eight second segment, but he's getting it up. Set phases. Too excited. What? We then had our first video focusing on the Four Pillars match at Double or Nothing. And let's just ignore what I did earlier. And we had one for MGF. Then later we had one for Sammy Guevara. And then later after that we had one for Darby Allen. And we had one for Jungle Boy. And all I'm going to tell you is that as a package, all of these are getting an up. I mean, they were so over the top and they were hyperbole. But my word, did they get you pumped? This is what wrestling is so damn good at. Just creating these mini masterpieces thought they were very well made. When FDR were here, all right. Now they wanted to have a chat with their friend Mark Briscoe, but you know that never works in wrestling. And instead out came Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. Cause they were like, listen to us, tag team champions. We keep asking you for a match and damn it, we want an answer. Dex Harwood knew how to sort this. And he was like, all right, fine. Look, you can have your match at double or nothing. But first, all you've got to do is admit that you were using Mark Briscoe because we like Mark and we're sick and tired of you doing it. This was like a dad trying to sort out his naughty kids. And Duck was livid about this. Like, no, he's our friend too. You know, he can have more than one pal. When out came Mark Briscoe, and honestly, this guy, he is just the most likable man on the planet. He's an absolute joy. He tried to calm everyone down as well because he said, look, I have great news. I talked to Tony Khan. Of course, we want this tag title match. And guess who's going to be the special guest Referee. That's right, it's me, sports entertainment. Briscoe had also brought some drinks down so we could celebrate. Of course, as soon as Dutt had drank his, he spat it in FDR's face because he's not a nice person. But if you don't know, if you do get liquid in your eyes, you're not able to see. And Dax was so mad, he tried to hit a power driver. And while he was successful, he accidentally did it to Mark Briscoe. Jeff's crew then ran away as FTR rightfully freaked out. So this is just some nice little seeds we're planting here because the bad guys are screwing around with Mark Briscoe and I'm sure eventually he will find out. Also, I actually think this match at the pay-per-view is going to be so damn fun. This was fun too. Don't forget that's all wrestling ever needs to be. Up. And talking about having fun, I was having a blast because my word, you guys outdid yourself on this week's episode of Dynamite. There were so many signs I couldn't have felt more humbled if I tried. So bring down the sound counter that goes up by one as well. And of course you do get an up. And I saw one that actually said two plus two equals potato. So I don't know what to do anymore. I now exist in this world and I never want to leave it. None of my wildest dreams did I ever think something stupid like that would make it onto a sign. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all my joy and go and throw it outside the camera to you. That's not a thing. I appreciate it. When we were backstage with Chris Jericho, he knows what he's doing. Trey wanted to know how he felt after Adam Cole wrecked him last week. And he's like, how do you think I feel? I don't feel pretty good, but I'm Christopher Jericho. I do know what to do in a situation like this. So I have gone and sought legal counsel and made it so that if I am in the building, Mr. Cole is not allowed in the damn thing. He also said that AEW was an unsafe working environment. And I wonder what he means by that. When Roderick Strong walked in, he was like, listen, Chris, I don't particularly like you, but I do like Adam Cole, so why don't we have a match next week? He also said it should be a Fool's Count Anywhere match. I was like, that escalated quickly. Jericho was like, what are you going to do, you absolute goober? I've got a whole army when Strong was like, no, you don't, because I also sought legal counsel. 
and they're banned from next week's Dynamite. I really do enjoy this version of Jericho, and I think it actually is my favourite one, because when he's acting like a coward, but also really tough, he's just so funny. And also, who ever thought we'd get Roderick Strong versus Chris Jericho? Not me. I like this up. Also, though, what is this deal with magical legal counselling where you're just allowed to do whatever you want? Listen, hi, yeah, excuse me, Mr. Lawyer, can we make it so that when I'm in a building, anyone with hair is not allowed in? Sure thing. Sweet. And then even though this episode of Dynamite was already super joyful, then did it even more. Because Paquette was backstage with the commentators trying to figure out what was going on and what Miro was going to do. All of a sudden, Thunder Rosa just turned up. She was like, all right, how are you going? And she walked into Tony Carr's office too. I was like, have we entered the Phantom Zone? So it just must be the night to try and get stuff from Mr. Khan. And later on, Tony was here with an announcement for an announcement next week, which he said is going to be one of the biggest in AEW history. And look, it seems very likely we're about to announce AEW Collision, which will air on Saturdays, hence why all these wrestlers are coming back, because we've got to load these rosters up. And how can you not be excited about that? There's also probably going to be some streaming news. So wrestling right now is just glorious. Giving it up. Well, I got surprised. All right. So it was Daniel Garcia versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. And I was totally convinced that Dan was going to win because one, the piece of fruit is really injured these days because he just has match after match after match. But also two, if Garcia did win, you wouldn't mind. The dude is super credible. I also love that we have this narrative in every single Orange Cassidy match now because it's kind of like a movie. I don't know what that means. But it's my show and I stand by it. As ever, Oran showed he can do it all when he out-wrestled Daniel Garcia to begin with. And Garcia was like, well, that is absolutely annoying, isn't it? But when he was able to reverse it, he kind of did this little dance. That guy totally gets it. Cassidy then returned and he put his hands in the pockets. And honestly, this crowd went nuts for that. So Daniel was like, all right, I'm done playing games. And he went to work on the wounded hand. I then actually don't know what to do. Because this guy not only used the ring apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, but he grabbed Cassidy and he threw him into Barry Barricade. Sorry, make me fall over, but bring it down. The justice for Barry counter goes up to 16. I can't handle it. Garcia was then mocking Orange Cassidy, and even when Orange tried to fight back, he wasn't able to do it because his gripping device was totally screwed. And Dan knew this, so he just started working on it. Eventually, it broke down into a strike battle, and even then, Orange had to use forearms. The commentators told us, well, he can't use his hand, can he? And then we got this pile driver beach break reversal, which ended in a really good near fall. I was in. We then got another one, but Garcia kicked out of that when all of a sudden he was able to apply the dragon tamer. I was like, well, that doesn't really work his hand. What are you doing? But then he segued into the crossface and he started beating on this hand again. That just sounds like a really weird sentence. It really did feel like it was about to come to the end and it was the case. But once again, I was totally wrong because what do I know? Because Orange Cassidy used the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up. And he got the one, two, three. So once again, that is how you use that move because it got a massive response from the crowd. And I actually didn't see it coming. And Daniel Garcia just looked at this like, well, my life is absolute toilet. What am I meant to do now? Seriously, this international title is great. Uh, also, bring it down. There it is. The surprise roll-up counter. It's getting kind of silly now. So don't you tell me it isn't the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. Because it is. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Get a quick video reminding us that Sheeda had returned last week when Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter accepted the Outcast Challenge Ooh, for a six-person tag match next week, so we are going to get that. <laughs> when out came Christian Cage. Now, he was here with Luchasaurus as Tony Schiavone was asking the questions, and this crowd hated Christian so much, to the point they actually started chanting, Edge was better than you. <laughs> Words to that effect. And I was like, man, Toto, we are having a good time in Kansas. It was Cage's fault because he insulted the crowd almost instantly and basically said they suck. And the reason he is going after the TNT title is because he's Christian, a multiple time champion, and he's brilliant. He then started to talk about Wardlow and the fact he was sick of all these people having daddy issues. I was freaking out. I was like, oh no, not again. I can't handle it. But actually he didn't do it, but he still got an insult in there because he was like, actually, no, I'm not going to talk about Wardlow's dad because he's not famous and no one cares about him. I was like, that's it, I'm out. Instead, he started talking about Arn Anderson and how Wardlow had found a father figure in him, but also how Arn Anderson had found a son-like figure in Wardlow because he had been looking for a new son. Now, recently, Arn Anderson's son actually passed away. So honestly, I think I had kittens during this. I don't even know what that means. Now, thankfully, Cage quickly underlined he was referring to Brock Anderson. And he was like, listen, Brock Anderson is in the company. He's a wrestler. And what has Daddy Arn decided to do? Team up with someone else. What a horrible person. I was like, actually, that's quite a good point. The real problem is, is that all of a sudden I wanted Cage versus Arn Anderson because he also went on to say you were nothing but a lackey to Ric Flair. And also, you were in a tag team with Tully Blanchard, so you were always number two. The heat for this was absolutely crazy, though, so you couldn't help but enjoy it. And I love the fact that I actually get to say it was Dominic Mysterio levels. <laughs> Man, we have come so far. Why are my arms wiggling? He also promised that he shall win the TNT title next week. And of course, that shouldn't happen. But I honestly believe they're going to have such a good match. Christian is like some kind of wrestling savant. Wardlow does not get the credit he deserves. This was a fantastic way to set it up. 
up. We then got another feud that AEW has been building for ages too that I'm a massive fan of because it was Anna JAS versus Julia Hart in a no-holds-barred match. The commentators also did a great job here reminding us they used to be friends and they'd been fighting on Rampage and they'd been fighting here, there and everywhere. And fair play to these guys because they walked out into that ring and they gave us everything they had. I mean, Anna Jay interrupted Julia Hart's entrance with a chair of all things and was just waylaying on her. When Jules let me down. Now, we did a very nice interview here on What Culture Wrestling of the Day. You can see it right now. But she grabbed Anna Jay. She threw her into Barry Barricade. So much like when I go home for Hanukkah, nobody is listening to me. Bring it down. Justice for Barry Counter goes up by one. What is even the point? What? There's no justice here. Life isn't fair. We then got kendo sticks and we watched the art of just throwing somebody into the floor, which is far more brutal than I think we give it credit for, when also we were using Rita the Ring Post. So all our wrestling friends were just getting murdered. This continued too when faces were just being rammed into Timmy the Timekeeper's table, when Anna Jay just got thrown into a chair in the corner. I was like, my word. As there were a pile of chairs, these were being used, and then there was trash cans, and it was just so damn violent, including when they went to the top and they did a superplex into the chairs. I was like, yep, I checked my list. There's nothing else they can do. So you really do have to give them all the credit for the world because there was so much effort, but also it was just a damn good match. And eventually Julia was able to lock in the heartless as she was like in the mesh of chairs. Anna JS didn't know what to do. She tapped out. That's it. I guess Julia Hart has won the feud. Although maybe Anna has something to say about that. I also love the fact this was two young up-and-comers doing their thing and they got loads of time. This has been a really well put together thing giving it up Renee Paquette was back after this and she was talking to Orange Cassidy the best friends and Bandido because they were about to take on the House of Black in a trios match Orange is definitely injured although he did start looking through his backpack going yeah you better go win those titles because I can fit a couple more in here when Renee was like so best friends what kind of rule are you going to choose because that is one of the stipulations for a house rules match now Trent and Chuck didn't know about this because they hadn't done their research so they freaked out when Trent was like I tell you what that girl, that Julia Hart, she's quite spooky. So the stipulation is no spooky witches at ringside. You have no idea how much I love these two. They are absolute idiots and never stop. Cassidy also dropped in the line that he's exhausted and Randy Paquette was like, yes, I am too, which I'm not surprised because she had done about 7,922 interviews on this evening. Once again, this was just a segment that lit me up inside. I could feel my guts get happy. I'm being an idiot and I'm just going to give it up. It also worked as a great segue because there was time for this trios match. The House of Black versus the Best Friends and Bandido. And yeah, because the House of Black are spooky wookie, they kind of fight in like a dimmed arena. And this set the internet into meltdown. It was perfectly fine. Do different things. There's so much wrestling on TV. My word, I need it. Also, it was flubbing excellent. Like Every single one of these people are amazing pro wrestlers. And you had this other stuff too. Like one point it was Bandido versus Malachi Black. And I was like, yeah, you could do that as a singles match and I'd still watch it. Bandido also got to the ropes at one point, but you're not allowed to do that in a house rules match. So he got told off. And once again, I like that because it made this feel fresh. When we just got all the stomps. Because Buddy Matthews went for one and he missed. So Trent gave him a double one. 
That's called escalation. Bandido soon got the hot tag and he just hit all these moves, including this crucifix bomb and just these ridiculous dives. But when he also tried to do one at Buddy Matthews, he cut him off in midair with this massive knee. And I was like, that's it. His skull is dead. There ain't no two ways about it. Brody King also kept getting in here and just wrecking people. He is such a good big man. But when Chuck Taylor got the tag, he hit the soul food and just for a split second, I thought he may actually going to do it, given that he got a tool. I was totally wrong. Because by this point, nobody had realized that Brody had tagged in. The House of Black hit the Dante's Inferno and they got the one, two, three. And I just realized I've zoomed through this way too quickly. It was such a good trios match. And give me more of this. Let's have one every single week, because why the flub not? Up. We then got something that also could have potential awesome replications too. Because we went backstage and Orange Cassidy had been laid out by none other than... Aussie Open's Carl Fletcher. Given what was going to happen later on in the evening, I think we are building up for some good stuff. <gasps> I am excited. Which brought us to our main event, which was John Moxie versus Kenny Omega in a steel cage. One, apparently this was Kenny's first time in a steel cage, which doesn't seem real. But also two, even though we had seen so much on this dynamite, somehow they took this and made it flubbing incredible. I mean, they brought on the stage to begin with, which made me laugh, because the whole point of a steel cage match is to lock two people in. And Brian Danielson was on commentary throughout all of this and basically just called everyone amateurs. I was like, he's right, look at me. I totally am. Claudio and Wheeler U2 were then attacking, so out came the Young Bucks to make the save. And I kid you not, all of this happened in 89 seconds. So you can just imagine what happened in the following 20 minutes. I mean, we still got dives off the stage, even though that passed so quickly. When they actually finally did get in the steel cage, they were just hitting each other like they wanted to cause actual harm. Like I was ringing people up going, I don't think they know what wrestling is. Omega then found a barbed wire steel chair like that should be a real thing. And of course, before long, John Moxley was bleeding. But then they were just doing so much crazy stuff. Like at one point, Mox grabbed Kenny, he threw him into the cameraman and then went and kissed the camera, and he even left a little bit of a mark. The barbed wire chair was then being used in because wrestling is absolutely insane, when Moxley decided, I am going to dismantle Tina the Turnbuckle. And I was like, what the flub are you going to do with that? And he took it, and he put it in Kenny's mouth, and essentially was trying to rip off his cheek. I mean, can you imagine if you did that on the outside, in the street, you would be arrested and rightfully so. We were then choking each other, so that's attempted murder. <laughs> when Mox went, <laughs> look what I've got in this bag, it's broken glass. Because of course you can't do thumbtacks anymore. That's so 2022. Moxie then tried to choke Kenny, which of course meant he was on his back. So Omega stood up and they fell into the broken glass. Can you hear what I'm saying? They fell into the broken glass. I went on Google and checked. That's not why glass was invented. The crowd was also going crazy at this point, as was I, because it was so damn good. And I think these two realized it because then Mox was laid up against the cage. So Kenny Omega hit him with this V-trigger that was so hard, not only did the cage break, but Kenny kind of got caught on the cage, like his leg was hanging off of it. And I was like, there is no way that couldn't have hurt. I also want to know who is building these steel cages because they break all the time. When I looked at John Moxley and he had that damn screwdriver. I was like, I don't understand what's happening anymore. Will somebody please stop the damn match? Thankfully, Don Callis agreed with this and he did prevent Moxley from using it. And I was like, that Don Callis, he's a good guy. He would never do anything bad. What a stand-up individual. Which meant there was a twist coming. Because as soon as Omega had hit the one-winged angel and he did have the three count, the referee got to two. Callis got this driver of screws and he nailed Kenny, his family, his friend, his blood, right in the head. 
this thing is done. Moxie then basically fell onto Kenny to get the one, two, three as Don Callis danced around for a little bit. And even though it looked like he was going to do it again, instead he went up to Ken and went and kissed him on the head. And I was like, man, there is a lot of passive aggressive kissing on this show. It also meant the dynamite went off air with a bleeding John Moxley standing over Kenny Omega, which was tremendous. And what an awesome heel turn this was. Like you knew it was coming, but it was executed so well. You absolutely need to go check out the clips on social media too, because you see Don Callis talking to somebody on the phone and Kenny Omega saying, who can I trust? Who can I trust? Well, I know somebody he could trust. Kota Ibushi. Now, I'm totally speculating here, but clearly that was the tease. So once again, I'm just going out of my mind. Still, this was something else. And the fact we got it on free TV is absolutely wild. (laughs) Kenny Mager and John Moxley are just fantastic. They're wonderful people to the point it doesn't just get an up. It gets the golden up. Which brings us to the end of Dynamite and it just gets an up. I don't care. You can nitpick things sometimes and you're more than welcome to do that. But it doesn't happen in the house of Simon Miller. I just sit there going like this. And it makes me feel great. I love wrestling. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's AEW Dynamite. Like the video, share the video and subscribe. Make sure you watch another video, including the Ups and Downs series. I would appreciate it. Come say hello on social media. At WhatCultureWWE. At SimonMiller316. I don't know what I'm doing with my head. My name is Simon for Culture. Thank you very much for joining me as always. Have a lovely day. See you soon.